0: can't say I've had what could be described as an exciting career, or even a very interesting one. But once in a great while, small rewards do come along. Anyone who's ever fancied himself a detective, openly or secretly, longs for the day he can do the famous parlor room scene. It's the moment when I get to reveal who did what, how they did it, and most importantly, how I figured it all out. Fables, volume one, Legends in Exile. Written by Bill Willingham. Pencils by Lon Medina. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic Exposure begins in 3, two, 1.
1: Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my fairy godmother
0: is the one, the only. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the nerdiest of them all? Travis Ratzmir. Oh, Travis, I like that we've
1: established that you that I need to come up with some sort of fun name for you. And then you have to respond in some equally quirky way.
0: Yes, I think we've established that, that for like the last hundred episodes. <laughs> will that ever will that ever end? Will it ever end? Um,
1: will there, I, where there will, there will there come a time next, long, next episode? Is next there, time, I'm just
0: going to introduce you. As long as there's breath within my body. Then there will then I will be quirky. Cause you know why? Next, I'm a little comic yeah. book scamp. Eh, eh.
1: Uh, so I next episode, I'm going to go. And with me, as always,
0: and then you're just going to say, "That's it." You're just, you're going to yeah. you're just going to quit the whole gag, huh? The whole stick, the whole stick. Look, well, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to start the show <laughs> with that. I see your face every time. Like you're like, uh, uh-huh, oh uh-huh. crap! Uh-huh. And I got to
1: try and nail it to what we're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comic Story Podcast, Well, Travis and I dive deep. Into comic books. You spent a little time with us last week talking about and diving. No, two weeks ago. Longbow hunters was last week. What yeah, what what is time right now? Yeah. What Uh, what is time? What is time? Last week you spent a little bit of time with us as we read uh and discussed Longbow Hunters, a green arrow book, if you will. Uh today Travis and I are switching gears. We're sticking DC, sticking it with DC, but we're going vertigo. And we're going to go with a incredibly like vaunted book. Something that's supposed to like is a, a cornerstone of the vertigo line vaunted that I book. have. Well, well done, sir. That I have never read before. Yep. Uh, I've seen, I've, I've seen it in every Barnes and Noble beautifully lined up, but I've never even looked inside of it. Cause I didn't think it was for me, Travis. I wasn't sure, but you read it and you said, Josh, I think there's something here. I think there's, I think something, there's something that you and I can share in. And so we read Fables. We read Fables, a vertigo book uh, written by Bill Willingham uh, with art by uh, Lan Medina and Steve De Aloha, right? I think I said those right. Color by Van Velkenberg. I love that name. Van Velkenberg? Oh, Sherilyn Van Velkenberg. I missed her first name. Now it's not as cool not as cool if it were van if your first name was van i'm in but anyways we are reading fables is this early 2000s i want to say yeah
0: uh, fables ran from 2002 to 2017 i believe that is a
1: long
0: it is the longest running series by vertigo ever put out look at you it's like you did a little bit of research maybe i did Oh, he's got uh, notes. I'm your Huckleberry. No, uh again, um we as in our quest to uh continue reading comic books, keep you entertained and also fill in the gaps to our comic book um what's the word I'm looking here for? Our comic book to to uh cu- curation of yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our, com- our curated comic book knowledge. If exactly. You will. So one of the th- one of the big holes and I, I think you hit it in the nail on the head when you said barnes and nobles because uh yeah. barnes and nobles of course a great place for people who are getting back in the comics to go and look they at carry what's two books
1: out. they carry two books yeah fables and the walking dead those are the
0: two so and watchmen they'll have like a whole <laughs> shelf of walking dead yeah 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 and then every uh, and then they'll have like like whatever the hot I feel like there's a lot of Batman books in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Like yeah, you can yeah. pretty much get the major story runs. But if you go into Barnes and Noble, you will see Fables. And it's kind of like yeah. it's tucked away from the big two and it's you're like it's one of those like you said like one of those books that I was I've been seeing for the last 20 years almost. Uh, And I've heard good things about it. I know that it's garnered a lot of attention. I know it's one Eisner's. I know that some of the other kind of comic book podcasts uh, that we listen to um, really kind of uh, tout this this book as uh, one of the good ongoing series. So when we talk about fables, Josh, why, with all that information, do you think you didn't pick it up?
1: because it's about fairy tales and to me i was like "Eh, i don't know right because there's this there's this piece of it that goes like "Ooh, twisted fairy tales mm. uh, right and i think in my mind i didn't know the premise necessarily um and i i will tell you like i um i haven't read a lot of vertigo books i, j- I just ha- like it hasn't been i never read sandman right i've read one volume of preacher that's it I read one volume of Trans That's it, right? And like, why The
0: Last Man, of course.
1: And why The Last Man? But like, but like, why The Last Man is really the only Vertigo book that I've spent and and read the whole series. Swamp of. Thing. I didn't read all of Swamp Thing, yeah. right? And it, uh, I don't think I read see. it.
0: I didn't read it when it was at Vertigo. I see what you're saying. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They switched that into it. I, I yeah. Let's talk. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. I in reading this book. And I did a little bit of uh, looking back at Vertigo. I think I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I went through Vertigo's like history because I'm like, yeah. man, like, for me, my favorite comics are all in Vertigo. Like I'm like a Vertigo boy. You grew
1: up in the. We grew up in the right time period. That Sounds like know. like a twenty first like, century. I was Vertigo, thinking more. But...
0: I, I was thinking more of like a, like a Pet Shop Boys. uh no, sound. Because you're boys. a Vertigo boy. Yeah, where a swamp thing meets the preacher. I was going with uh, West End Girls. Ah, but, go yeah. west where the skies are blue. Go, remember that little ditty from the nineties?
1: Yeah. I do, I do. Uh, so, so
0: I, I'm a huge. You are a, you are a vertigo. I'm boy. a vertigo boy. I'm a vertigo boy. You are. Yeah,
1: you have you have a a a, a an irascible case of vertigo. Vertigo. C- call me
0: Alfred Hitchcock because I'm a vertigo boy. Oh, man. Good dice, deep cut. Yeah. We lost lost all the millennials with that one. So that's good. (laughs) So, yeah. Shake them off. I I was looking at the history of it. The amount of of great books that this company, I I miss this imprint so much already um right they you know again uh a an imprint of dc that was really about like creator-owned characters uh some things that are a little bit edgier and putting them out there and so fables fits into that and like you said you maybe you stayed away from it because well it's a vertical book and you hadn't read a lot of vertical books and you said something really interesting it's that idea of twisted fairy tales which isn't right. new it's not a new even in 2002 that was not a new well, concept do you
1: remember were we in elementary school when that politically correct fairy tales yeah yeah yes that was huge i feel like we were in elementary school when that happened for sure and and in my head that's what this was and i i look i will freely admit i had never read a synopsis of it i had never looked at pages from it all i had seen were the covers and And really probably the most i'd seen is the spine for most of them (laughs) at Barnes and Noble. So I will freely admit that this is a gap of my own choosing. And the, I mean, the covers, I I think they're very, the covers that are on for this volume for volume one that we're reading legends and exile is really good. I think the covers are great. Um, but I guess when I got back into comic books, this wasn't a place I like, this wasn't in my wheelhouse. And when we got back in, to comic books, you know, when I had really gotten back in, it was the heyday of Image again, When the, the that big Image boom. And that's where I spent my time was all of these things. When Image kind of took the territory of Vertigo, if you think about it, right? Like Image comes in and says, yeah, we're, we're not doing, you know, we're not doing all these books that you remember. We're not doing Spawn. I mean, they kept doing Spawn. And they yeah. kept doing Savage Dragon. But they opened up this whole new place for for." creators to create and make their own books when that that was playbook yeah Yeah. yeah, that was when that that was was what vertigo was
0: yeah you know they they, they sent that they really sent that that new model in and also i think vertigo coming out of the 90s was one of the early companies that really switched that in the 90s art was the primary focus i think that was the reason a lot of people were buying books but vertigo kind of started with the idea of no the writers are really kind of like the rock stars And, yeah, there's great art in in Vertigo books, but it really it's really they were like headhunting writers as opposed to like trying to find like the next Jim Lee. They were like, I want to find a great story. Um, Right. And I I think the other part of it is it is daunting how many volumes there are. Yes. So if
1: because then there's like not just volumes, but doesn't it take like offshoots like here's another
0: there's a bunch of like the ferris there's jack of fables there's a bunch of like something snow there's there's a bunch of it because i think that bill wellington i think this is pretty much all he's done with his career there's i think he did one other book maybe or maybe a couple other things but he's just basically been like pumping out fables i think he's done it on a consistent basis i think he's very good about getting the books out which i think in the mid 2000s, getting your books out on time was kind of a rarity <laughs> for some of these, these writers. So if you're reading an <coughs> ongoing series and you know it's going to come out every time like clockwork every month, yeah. there's a sense of loyalty to that. I think Fable right. fans are like hardcore. I think there's a subset I would, I, of Fable fans that are super hardcore.
1: And I would also imagine before we dive into that, that this is a pretty good, it's probably my perception of it is a book that draws a wide audience that probably brings people into comics who aren't necessarily, who weren't necessarily big comic people. That's funny
0: that you say that. I was reading an article where Wellington was talking about one of the things he gets a lot of kudos on is the fact. Willingham. Willingham. Willingham, Oh, Willingham. Thank you. Um, uh, Oh, I kept saying Willington, huh? Um, Is that this book, he gets a lot of kudos for bringing a lot of women into reading comics. I can see that. A lot of his reader base coming into it was women. And I think this, you know, it kind of, this, the book kind of comes out, they had a couple of those TV shows on, like CW and ABC, that were like Once Upon a Time, and it was yeah. like those serial dramas that featured characters. So I think that's kind very of one of the much ways
1: yikes. it very much yipes from this book.
0: Yes, and I think know? that's kind of one of the reasons I stayed away from it because I don't think those were. Ex- I think I might have watched an episode or two of those, and I think they were very well executed. Um, and so I stayed away from this, but you know, with all this time at home, I'm like, oh, I want to like tackle something that's a little bit more epic because if i like yeah, it I want to fill in that gap and if i like it then i have some fodder to kind of keep me entertained because i've read three volumes of fables now uh, we're only going to talk about volume one but right. um so
1: let's let's dive into volume one then why, why don't you give us like a, a quick rundown if you can sir surma- if you can like summarize what this first volume is about
0: yeah so uh fables volume one it introduces introduces us to the world um Uh, Our our modern day society, but fables are now a part of it. So all your favorite fables that we know about, and some obscure ones too, but like, you know... uh Big Bad Wolf, Little Red Riding Hood, Goldilocks, uh, all these characters um, start pop. Actually, some of those characters aren't in this first book. But yeah, Snow White. um, Jack Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk. The Big Bad Wolf. They're they're in this world, and they live with what they call the Mundies, right? The Mundanies, like the normal people. Uh, And you really have two sects of... Uh, fable characters, the ones who can pass off as being humans, which live in the city, which is, I think, basically New York. Yeah, New York. And then you yeah. have those that cannot pass as being human who live up on a farm, just called The and Farm. Up
1: in upstate New York. Yeah.
0: And our first volume focuses around our protagonist, uh, Big B, uh, which is the big bad wolf in human form, and Snow White, as they try to uncover the mystery of... The Disappearance of Snow White's Sister, Red Rose. Uh, and so right. this first volume takes us, it's kind of very noir, as far as that Big B being that noir detective.
1: It is, and we have been, like, we are
0: deep in noir right now, bud. We are, like, we just did a very noirish run on, on
1: Green Arrow. Where, yeah,
0: I talked we about did, some noir books on our uh, Quarantine Books
1: episode. And I could tell you, I would say, I don't... Like I think war stories are their own kind of noir a little bit, but Sarah had like a good amount of like narration, narration to it. And yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Even like Outcast is a little bit noir, and that wasn't so long ago. And certainly, I think that's even you could even argue that that Silver Surfer run we did a few episodes back <laughs> has a lot of that uh, noir narration to it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like I'm. Yeah, we need to, uh, that's why our next book is going to not be (laughs) Dwar. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the general premise is that Snow White and uh, Big Bad Wolf have to figure out what happened to Snow White's sister, Red Rose. Uh, and in doing so, they encounter and have to go into and navigate the fable, fable's world, um. And so you meet these characters. And then, of course, we find out the big mystery at the end. There is this big, as Big B describes it, parlor room scene. I do like, the, like the very, like,
1: per, the Perrois, Peru, like, parlor room scene. Yeah. Uh, or that, that Sherlock Holmes scene. is is a, It's a really good sort of way to, to wrap it up. It's very meta. Like, he knows it's the parlor they room scene. They draw attention
0: and, to it. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a really great thing for, like, writers, too. They're like, oh, yeah, this is this is a feature of these type of stories. And it's okay to like freely admit that
1: that's what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a clever way to be like, no guys, this is what I, this is what happens when you try to solve a mystery like this. Um, So I want to, I want to ask you, Travis, uh, as, as we dive into this book, there is very little explanation over these first, is it
0: five books? Yeah. Five or think, six chapters. Yeah. Five or six probably. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, there isn't a whole lot of explanation to why they're here or how it works. Yes. You get a, you you get a little bit of like, well, there was a war. We got kicked out. We'd love to get back.
0: Right. I, so yeah, your question,
1: My my question for you is, are
0: you okay with that? Are you okay with the very much in medias res of, of this story? Oh, well said. Yeah, I, I think I am. And I think that the way we get it, because we're using fairy tales, that's how we get away with it. We have some common knowledge of who these characters are. So right there, you're saving time on character exposition. Now, these characters have changed and matured quite a bit. It's not the same Big Bad Wolf you know. It's not the same yeah. Snow White you know. It's not the same Jack of uh, Fables that you know. So I think because we know that we're already, f- we, feel, from, we feel familiar with these characters, like they're old friends. Um, right. it's just kind of seeing where they are now. It's just kind of like catching up with an old friend that you know and saying, oh, what? Big Bad Wolf, you're kind of a detective and you've lost some of that that edge a little bit, but you're still kind of uh, grumpy. Um, and so <laughs> I think that uh, that helps just throwing us into this world. And our readers are like, I think the readers of this kind of medium are trained in this kind of storytelling where it's like, these are a whole society of people who are fish out of water. Um, you know, these are like a, a sub society within a society is nothing new to certainly you or I as readers. So it's like, Oh, I get it. It's a sub society within a society. It's very, you know, um, yeah. layered on there. And these are characters I know. So boom. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right.
1: I think, I think it's okay to jump in and I think you're really right because we know at least enough background on these characters to be able to go, Okay, I can I can make a pretty guess a I can make a pretty good guess about how this character is gonna act or be, but I think the interesting thing is, uh, Willingham also plays with that knowledge. Right? He goes, "Oh, you think you know this? This is what you assume this character to be." Well, boom! I'm gonna flip it around. Right? Right? You think of Snow White as like, "Oh, she's this, you know, the sweet princess," and you know, but nope, sorry, not
0: true. Yeah, she's like right? a right. Pow- like a, like a, like a 1980s power woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and and I I think it's fun. I think he, he it's he's able to do both things. He's able to make you comfortable in the world because you know about these characters or at least you you think you know who they are. And then he's also able to play on your expectations and mess with your expectations a little bit um to kind of give you a new story, right? Cuz I think if it were just like Snow White and she's whistling and the birds are chirping around her and she's got, you know, Seven dwarfs following her all over the place, you know. Uh, and and then I don't know that I'd want to
0: read that book. Right. It's interesting, like characters, especially like a character like Snow White, more than others, is they spin completely away from there's there's not much of what Snow White is now that was in the original version of Snow White. Right. It's not like yeah. we see her being like tough kind of control. I guess maybe with the dwarves, we see her kind of managing stuff. And yeah. I feel like Willingham is take trying to take be true to an essential human aspect of that fable's character. Like I'm just thinking about it now. Like, right, like why is Snow White like in charge of Snow White in this book is basically in charge of like the the director of Fable Affairs. Right, and, because and now, like,
1: uh, old old King Cole is like the mayor. Yeah, of like the place they live.
0: And then she essentially is like his vice mayor, but she actually does all the work. She does all the work. And then you're like, well, and then you're like, I was just thinking about I'm like, oh yeah, I guess she did kind of manage like a team of dwarves, (laughs) you know? So she She managed a full mining
1: operation, you know? She was was in charge of logistics (laughs) and- (laughs) She's like boss hog. Right. Uh, What do you, you okay, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead, you go ahead. I was going to ask you, what do you think about we're we're kind of introduced to this world by our two protagonists, Snow White and Big B. Do you think those are good choices, Big Bad Wolf, for getting us into this world?
1: I think that, I think they're good choices because when you think of, I would tell you it's, I think Snow White is probably the, I think she's the least, like, so all of my, like all of my princess knowledge comes from Disney movies, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have, I never read like the story of Snow White before. And so in my brain, I go like, well, she's the least fully formed out of all of those characters, right? Like Sleeping Beauty, you could do like a a whole, like, you could play on that maybe more. You could like Cinderella is a very fully formed sort of character in my mind. And so I think it's good to do maybe Snow White because she's more of a, i don't know she hangs out with dwarves right She's blank like, canvas the... She's more of a blank canvas. yeah, yeah. I, I i feel like that and the same thing like the big bad wolf your story is he's a bad guy
0: yeah right Reformed. so yeah
1: yeah and so like he gets to be a reformed bad guy and again he's a pretty blank slate because all you know about him from the fable is that he wants to eat some pigs and dude can ble- breathe really hard yeah, right? <laughs> I, I think
0: the Big B is so wonderfully crafted. Uh, the fact that they made him this noir detective, like who's this chain smoking, like disgruntled, like did some bad shit yeah. in his life, but now he's trying, he's trying to, to make up his it, own right? way, and he's very savvy, uh, like a wolf. What a yeah. gr- what a, what a what a great! He's very yeah. He, he could smell. He smells the blood, and he knows like it's red roses blood. So he's using these wolf skills, and also like he'll transform into a wolf sometimes, and it's terrifying. I wonder. I wonder
1: if the thought process was, I've got the murder. That's how I want to set this up. Who are the two characters I want involved, right? Right. And I wonder if it was like, what fable character would be a good detective? And so like, well, a good detective's got to be able to find clues. Okay. So which fable character might be good at, you know, might be able to be good at X, Y, and Z. And I wonder if that's how, I wonder if that came before deciding, these are the characters I want. I'm I'm. I, that. That's, that's curious. You're probably right.
0: You're probably right. It's like which one, and also you have that ultimate conflict taking a notoriously bad, and also the big bad wolf is in several different fable tales. So yeah. he has prior history with a lot right. of the characters,
1: Little Red Riding Hood, you know, like and like that's the sort of like. That's a good piece of it, right? He's, you know, you see him in the Three Little Pigs. He's in so many different things, like Three Little Pigs. He's in, you know, the uh, Little Red Riding Hood. He's in all these different places that you can see. The wolf is like a an incredible nemesis in all those stories, yes, right? Peter the ultimate, the wolf. Peter and the he's the ultimate bad guy. The boy who cries wolf, right? He's yeah. like the ultimate, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ultimate bad guy. And I think, I, I think that you're right. I think it was, he's also sort of that like, well, we don't know anything about him except he's bad. So let's play with that yeah right so i i think that that's an interesting way to do it to kind of to kind of tell that story um I, when you look at this i think there are some of these characters where i go okay i like okay
0: i guess old king cole makes sense to be the 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 mayor like who else is mayor like he's got king in his name so i guess yeah i guess that makes sense because yeah. he's a and- king apparently
1: And then, uh, oh man, why can't I remember the other love interest? What's his name?
0: What character is he? Oh, the the yeah, the pirate guy, Bluebeard, Bluebeard, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the fable behind Bluebeard. Yeah, and so there were a couple of
1: them where I was like, okay, I don't understand why this character and not this character, right? Or um, you know, like where's and I don't know. You've read farther. Like where's Hansel and Gretel? Where's like you
0: know? Yeah, Goldilocks is great in book two. Go- okay. She's like this, uh, like like Shea Guevara character. Uh, mm. <laughs> like she even has the green jacket and like the glasses, and she's like, she's like not even like a lesbian. She like like enjoys sex with the other different animals. That's how open and like like uh, liberal she is with things. Yeah, uh, and she starts this uh, revolution on the farm. So that's what book two is about. And all so right. you get, uh, I I like how he's not just dumping all the fables he could think of in this first volume. Right. Um and that makes sense. You want to be able to you want to use characters for the story you want to tell. And you're right about the fact that he picks in this first volume especially characters with more of a blank slate, like Red Rose. Like, I don't know anything about this this character. I know that she appeared in some fables, you know, for a small room. Same with Bluebeard. Right? So he gets to it's a good mix put of, whatever he wants on them
1: right he, he gets to he gets to paint them however he wants and he doesn't have to subvert our thought process a whole lot the one character that he truly kind of subverts is uh big bad wolf right yes other otherwise like you know like okay well yeah okay i don't know enough about snow white to kind of I say love that
0: the pig who is oh uh, god that's, he's one of my so he's so that's one of my favorite parts. he's so that's one of my favorite
1: parts uh when he's like what do you have him ham and eggs <laughs> right like you he's son like of what a bitch <laughs> <laughs> i take it back you're still a monster right like <laughs> it's it's uh that's a funny sort of like little vignette of this right uh, i thought prince char i thought the character of prince charming funny was, yeah yeah it was a really like you know this 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 sort of like um a
0: womanizing uh, Grifter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. He is a grifter. He's living off of women.
1: Well, he's living off like the fact that he's that charming, right? His, like, his
0: dialogue is so great. So uh I'm gonna I borrow some money out of your wallet because I knew you wouldn't bother you and I didn't want to wake you up. So uh yeah, I, I know you'll be crashing mean. here for a while, so uh I, I know it's gonna be okay with you because uh you're pretty understanding or something like that, you know. You know right,
1: right. I th- I thought that that was that was a really that was a he's really He's using interesting like character. that
0: like the mystery method like from like the early 2000s. <laughs> like he's like negging and <laughs> peacocking. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um I thought like I most of the characters even I even thought Bluebeard was kind of a fun character, right? As you get to kind of see him go through all this. Um you know, Jack was an interesting character. Uh but again, Nothing that tells me he's Jack and the Beanstalk, right? Like, yeah. N- except for the one little piece where, like, a we've line. forgotten, yeah, we've forgotten everybody's history, right? Like, when they came across, they had to forgive each other for all of their past trans- transgressions or their pl- their past deeds, yeah. right? And so, you know, the idea that he was a giant killer was like, well, you can't use that against him. Right?
0: The grant like amnesty in in like this right. new world. Um, What did you? think about the edge on this book as far as it's a vertigo book um there are it's, it's a it's a fable book but it's not like necessarily like young kids um no because well, there's I,
1: there's there's sex possible murder there's right blood, there's there's
0: gore yeah there's some swearing in here but what compared like other vertigo books you've read or how do you think he walked this line of edge was it was it so, gratuitous oh no oh, i it? I think this is the 2000s and not the 90s. Yeah.
1: So he definitely is like leaving behind. It's still got that vertigo edge to it, but it's not the look how Garth Ennis I can be, right? It's not look how, you know... Uh, uh, Warren Ellis. Yeah, Warren Ellis I can be. And so it still toes that line of like, okay, you couldn't put this out on DC, right? This lets you do something a little more edgier but this is more tnt compared to like hbo right right? right. like this could be on on amc AMC, without changing anything
0: yeah
1: right right this is a very this is more amc than hbo um but i thought like i i thought the characters were interesting i i like i said it feels like he picked the right characters could kind of be blank slaty enough for this first This first volume and he does enough little playing where you get like flying monkeys in, in Snow White's office or you get like the, you know, the the blind mice or the mice from all the different fables hanging out and drinking on the farm and you get. You know, uh you get Pinocchio talking about he's how he's angry that he never like, grew up. If I up. find
0: this, if I find this fairy, I'm the blue fairy, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm gonna kill. And it. He, he can't,
1: he can't get laid, so he's really bummed that he can't, that he hasn't had, that he hasn't, you know, been able to do that yet. And so there's enough little like fun fairy tale twists throughout it that it keeps it interesting uh
0: and gives a good spice to the world. One of the things mm-hmm. that I do when I'm reading the books, especially if it's a book that neither of us have read and we're kind of reading at the same time, is I think about I'm like, "Ooh, I wonder what Josh thinks about this book." And in reading and starting off with Fables, the first maybe ish- issue I'm like, "Ooh, if they go two balls out like 90s vertigo on this, Josh is not going to like this." <laughs> and I think by the time I got to the end, that's why I said, "Yeah, read it, Josh, and let's let's talk about it." As I think the end Steps away from that vertigo and makes it that parlor gag of detective. It makes it more like light, and it makes it kind of more. I think that's where it finds its voice. It's not, I think you're right. it's I think, not dark vertigo. It's not silly, um complete like young fairy tale stuff. It, it is. It's kind of like kooky. It threads that wall. needle yeah. really
1: well, right? Yeah. And and I would tell you like. Right after the first volume, I was like, OK, I know why Travis likes this. I think like I, I know why Travis told me to read this. Mm. I like it. Right. Yeah. I made it through. I think I probably read it in two or three nights right before bed. Uh, probably read like two issues a night or something like that before I went to, be- went to bed. And it's easy I, to read. It is easy to read. The dialogue is really good. My question for you is, what did you think the, the main focus of this volume is this mystery? what did you think of this mystery? Were were you, did you like the, the build and were you satisfied
0: with the conclusion? That is a great question. Actually. I think without even thinking about it, your question made me think about one of the things that I didn't enjoy so much about this was maybe how they solved this mystery. The mystery seemed like it was going to have greater stakes than it did. Uh, which is okay. Yeah. Cause it, it, that allows us to have that more playful ending. Um, but at the same time, the tone of the mystery was really dark, like with the blood being scattered across the wall. So right. they set up to be really dark. Um, and I, but I will say this. I couldn't help. But when he goes, have you figured it out yet? Have you figured out how it's done? And he's like, I need one more piece. And then so before I turn that page to like read his reveal, yeah. I was like, I should know this. I should know this. What happened? Like it's he thinks it's so obvious. Why isn't it obvious to me? Like what's in that refrigerator? And I think I was very close to to thinking it was lame. that.
1: That was the thing too. Like he does a... I I will tell you. I agree. With, I agree with you. I thought the stakes at first for the mystery felt very high, right? Like it was going to be something very serious. Because um, right away you go like, okay, they they threw away Jack being the killer, Yeah. so. And then, and then you go like, okay, maybe it was Bluebeard. And then they throw that one away and you're like, okay, it's neither of those guys with the, like that right there veered me off of thinking that either one of them were involved. And so I didn't think of Jack being involved in it. Spoiler alert. Right. Yeah. But, but for me, I, I, I think. I was okay with the payoff being what it was because of how it was presented. Yes. Had it been presented in any other way, I probably would have been like, so to give an example, last week we, we read, uh, to give like a, a, a comparison, last week we read uh, Longbow Hunters and the ending is very similar. And the fact that a character lays out what happens for you and that one, it's the villain explaining to like uh, Green Arrow all of the mystery that he's been trying to solve. And in this one, it's Big Bad Wolf laying it out to a room full of these these fable characters right in the parlor scene. Both of them kind of wrap it up. But this one felt much better. One, because I think the mystery was laid out better throughout the course of the story. Yeah. And two, it took longer. It felt the explanation felt earned. The explanation felt. uh fun too right like it served a purpose in the story because the ending was also like see these silly kids right yeah it, it was okay that i presented it this wacky because it no one was actually hurt
0: you know no i i agree with you completely i think that the i can't say the ending was well earned uh, no, it it like you said it does kind of read like a NYPD blue, blue police procedural where you're yes. like well I know it's not that guy because he showed he was the first suspect and then like but sometimes they will bring that back again and yeah. make it work um, and but he does a lot of stuff in here like I said I think that you said it the mystery is well paced out and so that becomes the core of the story but he's able to do a lot of other things he starts world building he talks about the the nemesis that that drove them out of the fairy world. You get a little bit of that. You get your character development on your main characters, Bluebeard, Big B, Snow White, uh, uh, Jack. So you you get like five or six characters where you get to really flesh out and feel like you know by the end of the book. So as far as storytelling goes, it's good, well-plotted storytelling. Uh, I think think so. And it
1: uses like... The one thing that I I think that the story does really well is when during the reveal scene the way he does the flashbacks yes. right that it's that it's in this this purple hue and each of them is sort of like fairy-tailed out where it's got like the the weird ribbony decorations around those panels and he's he's telling the story to the crowd which is a really good way to be able to tell what the story is right oh you missed this well here's what happened cuz i'm telling everybody i'm not just telling you the reader i'm telling a crowd of people what was going on um, and i do like the like uh her cds she took other good ones
0: out so that only the bad ones were left i actually really love that scene where he goes through and like and then because if you go back and you look at when he first goes in the apartment they do like slow it's not pans because you can't move but they they yeah. show you all those things and you're like oh there's a lot of showing going on here uh, like the he like he picks up the lamp and you're like yeah. Why are we spending so much time on this shot? He goes to the CD, he's like why are we spending... So, he's right. Everything there was there for you to solve the mystery. Pretty right. much.
1: And, and I do like... I thought it was... I thought a really good way to tell the story is while he's doing this, that Snow White gets so angry with him. That she's so mad that he knew... Like, you knew she was fine and you let me, like, think that she was dead and she's, you know, she starts to cry and... He's like but I didn't I didn't know that until right now. Yeah. You know. And so it's it's a really he lays it out really really well. I do like that Rose Red it's like this party girl and they have you know she's always having like late night raves at her house and stuff. Yeah, Very with her
0: Sister is like so much more popular than <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And got it together on it. So um we're going to talk about art here in a second but as far as these characters are concerned, I'm sure he pretty much by the end of his 150-issue run that Fables is, I'm sure he's pretty much rung out every Fable character right? you could think of. <laughs> but uh, for Fables that aren't in this first volume, what would you like to see? What would you like to see uh, Willingham do uh, his Fables take on? Well, I think I
1: think Cinderella would be fun— just because, like, if you keep her talking,
0: like, I guess everybody can talk to animals in this one, but, uh, oh, uh, stillskin, Yes. I would be interested how they do that. Like, what is the core of that character and what survives in this new modern world of stillskin uh, Right. And,
1: and is the story you tell with him one where no one trusts him? We're all supposed to forgive everybody's, you know, past behavior, but he, like, tricked a woman into giving him her firstborn son, right. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, is it's what like the he,
0: one of the most unforgivable things. <laughs>
1: right. And so that, I think that would be an interesting way to, to like, he's one character that no one trusts, but maybe they should have, you know, like maybe they should
0: right now. Like, do you play that, that kind of story with him? Um, it's funny and, that like, even, I don't know if it's in the first book or second book, but they bring in like other things that aren't necessarily traditional fables. Like they bring in like the Chronicles of Narnia is mentioned as one Mm. of the other worlds that go in there. Um, There is uh, like Winnie the, there's like some sort of references to Winnie the Pooh even kind of in there. So he starts that. I'm like, "Mm, you're kind of breaking your, I feel like maybe you're breaking your rules a little bit. Well, Uh, aren't all, aren't all stories. Say it, Josh, go ahead. Say it.
1: Aren't all stories just fables at their core. (laughs) Aren't they all? Isn't everything like, Can Harry Potter show up in one? And like, oh, look, it's Snape. That's stretching (laughs) it. It's stretching it. (laughs) It doesn't have to be an old story. (laughs) A tale as old as time. Time. We do get Beauty and the Beast in here. And I thought that was a great scene. I thought the scene where, like, he keeps changing. That whole, like, scene where she's like, you got to get your craft together. And they just keep fighting. Because they've been married
0: for, like, thousands of years. Being married
1: for thousands of years. Yeah, I thought that was... I was a really kind of like fun play on the fact that these characters are timeless and they've been around forever.
0: It has kind of like more of a PG 13 vibe of like that American gods to, um, Mm -hmm. the, the book and the, uh, series where it's like these kind of forgotten characters that have this lore to them, but here's how they would play in the modern world. Here's what a leprechaun would be like. Here's what, you know, Apollo would be like. Right. Um,
1: but I, you know, I, I thought it, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think I'm interested in further books, but I don't know if it's on my list to read right now.
0: Yeah. I'm stopping at you know? three for a while. I'm stopping after I'll tell you what, it gets less edgy uh, throughout the series. I think when yeah. it came out, I think there was probably, I think, is it that HBO?
1: Is it is it that HBO thing where, like, the first episode of H, your HBO show has to be as, as like graphic as possible? Because, yeah. like, look what we can do.
0: Yeah. I look think what you're we right. can do on HBO. Yeah. You I, know, like a Game of Thrones, when remember the first two yeah. seasons were all like boobs? Uh, yeah. And then we pulled back from Shopping that. People's heads Once off, you yeah. realize what it is, I think that's what happened here. I think Willingham probably never wanted it to be edgy, but he had to find his voice. And Vertigo was probably pushing for that brand that vertigo brand to be like dark and edgy like we're just coming off of preacher and yeah. Transmetropolitan and these books that are super dark and edgy so if you want to fit in with the brand and I as it goes on already by book three I can see that softening up
1: yeah I think it's true I mean he probably finds what he wants to write a little better right uh, and it starts with a murder so of course that's ultimately more graphic than Visley, anything yeah. or like a suspected murder right uh, it's the shock value of like, oh, I want to read this. What do you, yeah. this is such a, this is a departure from what I what I would what I would expect yeah. from a story about fables in the real world. Right. The
0: second one is pretty violent too. It's called Animal Farm, and that's re- literally a rebellion on the farm where the the animals are like, yeah. we're not going to be stuck up here anymore. uh What do you think about the art in this book? I thought it was good. I mean, it very
1: much, uh, it is vertigo art.
0: It's vertigo and I don't, art for sure. I don't,
1: I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't, I don't think it's bad, but, uh, it works well. I think that he does some really good character work because again, we're in a world where he's not, none of these characters look like themselves, right? So it's not like Snow White's walking around in a big gown for you to know that she's always Snow White. The big bad wolf isn't a wolf, right? Like Bluebeard doesn't have a giant blue beard, right? There's all these things. He doesn't use these things that would help you always know who these characters are. So the artist has to be able to kind of distinguish the characters. And I think he does a really good job of you can look at them and see that they are different he gives them enough about them, right? Like uh, that they don't all look the same, which can be troublesome in some of these books, right? right. Where every, like we, we read a Terry Moore book and I've read, um, I read a couple other Terry Moore books and all of his women look exactly the Motor same. Motor Girl? Motor Girl. And then I read, uh, oh, the one where the girl wakes. Well, even uh, Steve dies even, and comes Even back. Steve
0: Dillon, for like another right. Vertigo artist is like, his his B characters all look the same like henchmen all look the same
1: right but i think he does a dicky does a good enough job of being able to distinguish character to character um you know you get jack of the Beanstalk's ponytail you get uh how hairy big bad wolf is like he's in a speedo like swimming in he the pool at like one point. Yeah, he looks literally like wolverine right.
0: yeah he looks like uh how like prince charming has that very clark kent 1940s superman comic strip style to them um right i i thought what my impression of fables because i don't think i ever opened up i think i saw the spines like you did like uh was that i thought it was going to be more cartoony and when i opened it up i was surprised i thought it was going to be more you like yeah i guess the best way to describe it is cartoony where they were kind of more in their their fable like forms but the three little pigs they just they look like pigs they're, just, they're just straight up pigs yeah
1: they, they are just and the mice are just straight up mice
0: yeah. um and i like that I, choice. Think
1: the, I think the one thing where i go mm, uh you see sort of like the ogres and monster creatures who kind of take over the other world and that part for me i was like eh, i don't i'm yeah. not into i'm not into his creatures yes he does he does good animals he does good people um and maybe you know maybe it's not what he was drawing so maybe he just didn't he didn't have that worked out very well but those are the characters i was like well i don't want to know about that yeah I you agree. know so but otherwise i thought pretty serviceable the colors are not great i mean no. they're very it's very
0: uh you know average or, yeah there's not, I they're, mean, not they're not the the coloring doesn't seem, like it will service a story and scenes as far as like oh you can tell it's nighttime it's in the night, room yeah. and there's a glow from the TV but they're not they're not reemphasizing any of the characters emotions it's not metaphorical the colors right. aren't used symbolically or metaphorically in here
1: no it, but i you know it's better than it dodged that bullet of everything when they started doing digital coloring in the 2000s and everything had everything was uh um why can't i think of the word where it goes from light to dark oh shoot
0: um contrast like high contrast no
1: no what's the i can't think of it where you would like take like you take a color and like to show gradiated yeah like you it's not like so some of those 2000 books and maybe it happens later on with the coloring i don't know who colors this whole this book the whole time But remember that there was a period of time when every Marvel book had that God awful computer coloring on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, how could we show depth? Ooh, we'll use a gradient. And it just like, guys, I know you just read of
0: like a teenage PowerPoint. Right. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so it isn't that, and that makes me happy. So, um, but it reminds me of a lot of stuff. Uh, It's essentially a slight upgrade from coloring that you saw in the nineties. Right. It's yeah, it's not it's, a, it feels not very hard. 90.
0: It, it even yeah. even though I read it digital, I I it reeks of like that newspaper print too. Like the way yeah. the art is, the way the pencils yeah. are, the way the colors are, the inking, it feels like I'm reading it literally on an iPad and I feel like I'm f- like really light newspaper style pages. Yeah. That 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 vertigo chic. <laughs> <laughs> vertigo chic. I like that. I miss vertigo so much,
1: John. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you Travis uh um what character was your favorite
0: out of all these? Oh, it's, As we wrap it's this cliche, up. but like I gotta give my boy Big B the props. I mean, he hits all the buttons. You, you know that you know that hits all my buttons. Yeah. New Orleans oh, yeah. smoking. Uh <laughs> greasy hair. Um tough talking. Uh, yeah, nonchalant. A, man, a man's man. A man's if man, you if you will. Yeah, yeah. In the second issue, they talk about why he smokes all the time, because he's a wolf. And so he has all these these sensory inputs Smell coming all in the all time, the time. Yeah. So like in order to live in the city and stuff like that, he has to like block it all out with just living in clouds of smoke. Which like stuff like that, I really love. Yeah, I love that like I, that idea.
1: I would agree with you. I think there's a reason why he's the focal point of this book. Right, he's the character that's kind of given the most to do. Um, he's the antihero. I, yeah. All right, um, I thought he was probably the best character. I don't know that you got to learn a whole lot about anybody else but Snow White, and I thought Snow White was a good character. Yeah. Um. I, you know,
0: I I do like I like sort the of back a, and forth between them, the kind of like the repartee, yeah, right? the, like a yeah. Uh, Diane and Sam kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Very Cheers. It is very <laughs> Cheers.
1: Um. But I I agree with you. I think that he was probably the the best character in in the book. But I imagine he's your focal point. So I, it seems like in book two your focal point is um, Goldilocks, right? So you really get to know
0: that character. Yeah, you, she gets introduced. But I think just kind of, first of all, you can buy, I found it on, I'm not going to do this, but you can buy for $237 all 150 issues of Fables on Comicsology. That's a lot of. When you look at that, it scratch. has all their, the titles, of the, or the, the, the covers yeah. of the volumes. And Big B and Snow White are on most of them. So I think that they continue to be a major focal point. I know, obviously, that he does go off on, like, side missions where, like, we're going to follow Jack of Trade or whatever it is or yeah. um, this character. But I think, I think these become – the, these are the two characters that we kind of walk through this world with. All right. So do you want to do panels or who would you give this to first? Uh, let's do panels. Uh, All right. Panels again are going to be obvious for me. We talked about that idea of the pig scene when the pigs. You in the son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> you son of a That's bitch! Why, you know it's so I didn't ask you go first because I'm like, no, oh, yeah. I'm going to steal this one. There is a uh, a great scene where the three little pig. One of the pigs is in um, Big B's apartment, and Big B has like a oven glove on, and he's like waking up this pig who's just like slopped out on the couch, and it's so. It's, and his,
1: like reflection is in the TV, the turned off television. <laughs> yeah, also. It's, it's a
0: nice detail. It took me a while to figure out what was happening in that television. You thought it was it? You thought it was actually TV? Yeah, I thought it was like pig porn. Um... <laughs> I'm not lying. Oh, that's what I thought it was at first. Uh, uh, I'm like, oh,
1: that's good. I like, that's funny. That's very funny. Um, So now you you literally, I'm not going to do mine was on the same page. Yeah. I'm not going to take it from you. So here's what I'm going to do. I thought this was a clever way to do it. Uh, on page 20 of the digital reader, uh, there's a back and forth between uh, Snow White and Big Bad Wolf. And his shadow is the wolf. Yes,
0: that's a great panel.
1: Um, So page 20 of the digital reader. Uh, it is right before you, uh, it's the page before we open up and see the giant bloody room. That was almost my other pick is the first full page spread of the trashed apartment because that is a big ass apartment. Let's not, let's not quibble. That is a, it looks like that's not a bedroom. That's just her full living room. So big apartment. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting way to show, like he's just—it's just, it's just a, a magic spell that keeps him like this. I thought
0: that was—I thought that was a brilliant way to do that because you—it's it mentioned previously, like only dropped in that these characters can maybe buy magic and stuff like that. Be like, I'm not sure how that works. And that one panel just—it shows, it doesn't tell. It shows you exactly how that works. He's still a wolf, right. and he could probably turn into that wolf, which foreshadows what happens later. Although the wolf shadow does look like Master Splinter in this.
1: It does look a little <laughs> like. Yeah, it does look like Master Splinter, but it's the idea of it, not necessarily the execution. And it's super,
0: yeah, it's super ominous. Like it's still like, and it makes you understand that character a little bit more. Like he still is this wolf inside. Yeah, he's a wolf in man's clothing, if you will. He is a wolf in man's clothing. Uh, So,
1: who would you? Who do you give this to? Who do you put in? Who whose paws do you put this in?
0: Yeah, nice and well done. Uh, You know, uh, I think this sounds like misogynistic, but I think teenage girls would like this uh like if i had a nerdy girl in like my high school class and i know she read manga and maybe wasn't reading a lot of american comics and stuff like that and she seemed to have like a cool like oh like i like a little bit of edge stuff like that but you know it's not like over the top where i would feel like mm, i don't want to give this to someone because i don't want them judging Dude. my taste I'm going to tell you right now, do not give this to a teenage girl
1: that isn't a relative of yours, because there is a straight up, there's a straight up sex scene in this book.
0: (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. Josh, it's been so long. Yeah, you're right. Like this, this is, you're right. There's some, uh... all right, well Well, then, um, yeah, well then, you know what, Josh, that's our recommendation. Give it, give it to your lady, give it to your lady friend. All you cis white males, I want you to grab your fables. I want you to rush outdoors. Okay, I want you to approach the first teenage girl you see. I <laughs> don't, don't want, don't, you, <laughs> I want don't do that. I want you to press this book into their hands <laughs> and is whisper it? in their ear.
1: No, love, no, you're gonna, you're gonna love this. <laughs> no, don't do any of those things. Uh, you uh, to, I would tell you. I think uh, I think this is a book that um, if you I, you mentioned a couple things, if you were a fan of. Um.
0: Once upon a time.
1: Once upon a time. I think if you liked Charmed. I think if you liked any one of
0: those sort of. I think like, if you like Disney, like Disney movies, right? Yeah. If like you liked any of those classic.
1: CW, if you liked any of those CW shows, uh, what's the one where, um, the brothers who who like fight the, monsters? Brothers Grimm. No,
0: Grimm brothers, there's Grimm Tales. I think it's no, the Grimm. No, Nope. no. It has nothing to do with Grimm in it. I'm gonna keep saying Grimm though.
1: I cannot. I've never seen it, but I know like. I would say like, yeah, you'd like this supernatural, like supernatural. That's what it is. That's the one Uh, I would tell you, those, those are the people I'd say like, this book is up your alley, right? If that's the sort of thing you're into as a sort of like, it very much is a CW kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But I, I love the cheese of CW, so I'm not immune to it.
0: Yeah. If you like Buffy, did you like Buffy? You will probably like this. Oh yeah. That's a good reference. That's a good reference. Um, Right. it's not monster the drama. There's a lot of melodrama there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: but it it plays in that world of like, ooh, here's something just a little here's a little tantalizing piece, right? Like here's something there's there's enough sort of sexual innuendo. There's yeah. enough sort of violence. There's like just a hair of everything to kind of make you go like, "Oh, and nothing is too gratuitous or over the top."
0: Yeah, I would say that this week I had fun being exposed to fables and kind of going past what we normally do a little volumes but i'm good i'm good for a while like i'm i read three volumes i feel like i kind of i got to explore a little bit more of the world but it's not something where i'm like i've got to consume this right away that's just that's the thing why i've never read it is because there are so many volumes of it so
1: i i imagine you're probably good to just dip your toe in and read yeah. a couple volumes and go like, okay, I'm good. Or say like, if you really love it, then you've got
0: so much to charge ahead and read. Right. Like. I understand the claim now. I understand the claim now. I don't yeah. know if it's, if it's as like, whoa, as some of the awards and some of the back, I think, I think the, the attention. I it think, gives, the, I think, I think occasion, you have
1: to go back in time. I, I think you have to yeah. go back to 2002 yeah to see that this was you and I came was back before to the comic, image
0: renaissance. It was right. yeah. you and
1: I came back to everything in the image renaissance, kind of like taking everybody's collective comic book breath away. Yeah. This was before that. And I get why like, Oh, this is something very different.
0: Yeah. This coming out isn't, of, yeah. Spandex of the nineties the and doing this. It's uh, it. Imagine and the gratuitous yeah. and the gratuitous, like over the top men's like when you
1: think of who, preacher was aimed at who is trans metropolitan aimed at who is spawn and savage dragon and yeah. all of this 90s stuff who is it aimed at this was aimed at a different comic book reader this was aimed at a different audience not that there yeah, isn't this
0: is before paper girls this is before i hate fairyland yeah. which has that kind of cross-gender appeal but without fables that they might publishers might not have given hey, this is before saga which... right like this yeah, is this is yeah.
1: This is before all of that sort of like. Gwen, Spider-Gwen. Op- yeah. Yeah. You know, this opens up comics, I think, to a, a good wider audience. Oh, you man. Know? I
0: wish we had started that conversation earlier because I think, yeah, I think that if why fables is important, I, I just with my reading of it and looking at that time period, I would say that this actually really is probably a really important gateway book for that time period. Right. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't reek to early
1: 2000s. The CD thing is probably the only thing where I'm like, oh, "That's pretty. That's pretty 2002." Yeah. But nothing else made me really think of. Didn't put this in a time period for me. Yeah. So that's good, right? It yeah. exists without you going like, "Oh, I didn't right? check the
0: cell phone use." That's always the the dating thing. The cell phone use. Oh, I, there
1: I, there is no cell phone use. Okay. I don't think anybody's on a cell phone.
0: Uh, which doesn't necessarily date it.
1: No, right? It it just means you're not seeing everybody stare at a cell phone, which is probably okay. Um, But I, yeah, overall I enjoyed it. I probably not my favorite thing we've ever read, but I can see, I can see why, why it's beloved. I can see why people latched onto it. I can see why when it came out, it was sort of this, especially since, you know, it continues on and on and on and, and cranks out this type of story for
0: different readers. Um, I can see why it's important. It'll be nice now, Josh, when you go into that Barnes and Noble and you see those fables, you give them a nice little, Mini salute, yeah. and then I'm, you, you I'm move a little, on. Yeah, I'm a little not Good on you, and
1: maybe, maybe i not feel I'll as intimidated.
0: Up... You don't feel as intimidated. You're like, you know what? I know what you're about. I know what you're about. Yeah,
1: and when the coronavirus is over, and I step foot into a uh, Barnes and Noble again,
0: maybe I'll pick up volume two if they do one of those like forty or fifty percent off like trade sales that they'll do sometimes. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm in. I'm in. All right, man. I think, I think that wraps up our discussion on fables. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. You can listen to all of our old episodes. If you go to our website, www.comicexposure.com. you can also find our merch store there where you can get yourself a lovely <sighs> comic exposure t-shirt from Amazon. We got several designs up there, uh, from, uh, our famous comic book, Kaiju that you can check out. We've, we've got that dude up there. Bruce. We've got Bruce, the comic kaiju. We've got uh, a nice little uh, pinup, a little a little pinup of Travis and I. We've got uh, two Bruces, two different Bruces that you can choose from for your comic book shirt. I have the OG Bruce is what I've got. The nerdy Bruce. I have nerdy Bruce, not Screeching Weasel Bruce. Yeah. But I'm a fan of Screeching Weasel Bruce. You know, I got to catch them all.
0: You got You all. gotta
1: get. You gotta catch all the Bruce. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Comic Exposure, uh, if you want to know when the new episodes are out. Because Travis and I don't keep a normal schedule. We just drop an episode when we feel like dropping an episode.
0: Yeah.
1: We're not. We're not your every Friday. No. One. We're not
0: your every Saturday or we Sunday. We give them to it's, you when we think you need them.
1: Yeah, we say like now is the time. Yeah. This this drops now
0: you know what america Uh, you need us now more than ever so don't be surprised if we're dropping more pods at you
1: yeah and especially since uh travis's uh travis's home teaching now yeah he's got he's got a little more a little more time to to be able to do this on my schedule as opposed to as opposed to his schedule (laughs) 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 uh but but ladies and gentlemen uh travis and i are trying to figure out what our next holes we're gonna plug do we decide on the well, we got a couple. We got a couple things in the works. It's okay. looking like it's going to be some sort of Justice League book. Yeah, we're gonna. That's gonna be. The we're, gonna, book we're gonna. We're gonna dive blah. into into some Justice League. Travis and I got to figure out which one. But we'll let you know. We'll let you know soon enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next trade.